In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me share the word of the Lord with you this morning. You've come to hear a word so that it could be activated in your life. More than just having knowledge, you want to activate a word that becomes alive in you. That's the, that's the whole point of having a living word. Amen? And so we want to have the Word of God activated. So let me share with you faith ignited by desire. That's what I want to show you. Faith ignited by desire. See, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, my wife and I have been talking about this. She's reading a book about the introvert and the qualities of an introvert. Uh, what's the difference between an introvert and an extrovert? An extrovert is that gregarious person who loves to be with people and can, can be in a crowd and make their point well known and everybody knows them. Right, they're, they're an extrovert. Now the introvert, we would say, is shy and quiet, but that's not necessarily so. They just enjoy more of an inner life. They're kind of like an innie instead of an Audi. <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, so an introvert enjoys, they are completely satisfied with being alone and, and reading and meditating and, and examining God. It's not a fault and it's not a failure. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And so you have introverts and extroverts and, and then you have some folks that are across that spectrum, right? And in our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, to love God, you don't all have to become extroverts. You don't have to become a different temperament to love Jesus. He, he wants to fill you. And what would we have done without the contemplative ministry of, of the great theologians and the monks throughout the years that sustained theology and doctrine and deeper thinking? Huh? Where would we have been without those introverts who held fast the doctrines and uh, deep theologies of the Word? Now, you can even be an introvert and an evangelist and witness you can be an apologist who may be an introvert, but you're not such an extrovert. But you quietly and caringly share with your neighbor and with your work partner and anybody else the wisdom and knowledge of God. God doesn't have to make everyone. Pentecostals, we always, and, and I've been at fault at this, we always want everyone to be an extrovert, you know, with the Holy Spirit, you know. And uh, I find that I can move in either way. I'm very contemplative. I'm actually an introvert that can flip a switch into extrovert. It, it, you can do that. Some folks do that, and, and that's fine. But what I want you to know is that when I'm talking about your faith ignited by desire, that doesn't mean I want you all to become extroverts. I'm not trying to make you all on fire as an extrovert. I'm trying to make you on fire as you. As you. All right? Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you're desire and your passion needs to be ignited because it will cause your faith to increase. Let me walk you through this. For some reason, there we go. All right, grace is given to us by God, right? Our salvation is given by grace. It is a free gift of the Lord. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. It is given as a gift from God. So our faith is what accesses grace. So faith always accesses grace. Now the gifts of God and the gifts of His Holy Spirit, the Greek word is charis, it's the word for grace. So the gifts of the Spirit are actually graces of the Spirit. They're given, they're not earned. Everyone in this room has a charis, has a grace, uh, multiple graces 
from God. Your first grace is that you were saved. From there on out, he gives you unique graces and gifts. Every one of them operates by what or through what? Faith. Your salvation was accessed through faith. Those who prophesy, prophesy according to their faith. And so every gift and everything you receive by the graces of God is activated by your participation of faith. And that comes through trust and desire. So if your faith and your trust in God has greater desire, your faith will increase for more, for more grace. Amen? Amen? So your faith is essential. And I want to share basically three scriptures with you to help you understand this. I love this quote. Our prayers must mean something to us if they're going to mean anything to God. When you pray for something, we have to pray by faith, right? And how many of you have ever prayed through deep desire? Hmm? Right? And, and angst, if you will. There's a difference between activating your faith by a desire. Oh God, I need this. Even in singing that song, Oh how I need you. You can sing it as a repeat of a song you heard karaoke. Or your heart can enter into it and say, Oh how I need you. Oh how I need you, Lord. Right? Now you can do that as an introvert too. You can go, Uh, the desire, the, 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 the manifestation may be a different manifestation, but the heart yearning is the same. It's fire in your soul. God wants to reignite this fire because he needs to ignite our faith. Our faith can become really uh, rote. It can become very automatic. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I believe three in one. I believe the scriptures are inspired. I mean, we can write that stuff up, but do you have a desire, a passion, and a fire for it reignited again? And this is what is going to ignite your faith. I I'm, uh, was, became aware of a story of a man who, in World War I, a soldier, uh, grew up in a home where he, they, they learned to pray. Mom taught him to pray, and he was an avid prayer. And, and what happened was one night... Uh, uh, as he, what he would do is he would crawl out from the, the camp site and, and go out into a field to pray. And one night as he was crawling back, uh, the MPs found him and arrested him. Said, hey man, what are you doing crawling out of the tent? Are you, are you giving valuable information to the enemy? What are you, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to, to escape and trying to make a way out of here? What are you doing? And they called him forward and put him under arrest and his commanders came to him and started grilling him. What do you think you're doing here? And are you a traitor giving information this and that? And, and the young man, he said, no, I'm, I'm praying. I'm going out and praying. Going out and praying. You can pray in your tent. What do you mean you're going out and praying? I needed to go out into the field. I'm praying. I'm interceding. I don't want to interrupt anybody else in my tent. I'm yearning for God, for God to protect us as, a, as troops and, and this and that. And he says, I don't believe it. He said, I think you're a traitor. And you know what happens with traitors? You are executed. This morning, if you do not convince us that you're, you're not lying, you will be executed as a traitor this, uh, this morning. So he said, I want you to do this. I said, he said, start praying. His commander said, let's, you start praying. The young man got to his knees, earnestly knowing that he could die 
And he began to travail in prayer. Oh, Father God, I pray for these troops. I, Father God, pray for Jimmy, my bunkmate, Lord God, that he'd make it home back to Kentucky. I pray, oh God, for my colonel. I pray for the captain and Lord Jesus that we would have wisdom. And I mean, he began to pray under the unction of God. Powerful prayer, an anointed prayer, earnestly and coming out of the very furnace of his soul. And the captain said, I believe this man. <laughs> You see, you can't drum something up that isn't already on fire in you. We need to learn to have a fire in our belly. We need to stoke the desires of our heart for Jesus. It can get cold out there. And our being attacked and, and what we put in us through TV and the world and the movies and the entertainment and everything else can quench the fire of the Holy Spirit in us. And so I want to ignite your fire again i want to take you to three verses first we're going to take to james 5 16 you know this i'm going to read it to you in the king james the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much doesn't it effective effectual fervent prayer availeth much now it's interesting uh when you look at the word effectual and fervent let's break that down for a minute effective how many of you want your prayers to be effective right all right so you have to believe that prayer changes things you have to believe prayer is effective how many of you pray like this I'm asking you to do this I don't know if you will I'll know don't know if it'll ever come to pass I wonder if this is gonna happen I kinda wish it does really I mean really a lot of times our prayers are wishes We've got to shift that gear into effective prayer. I know that whatsoever I ask in Jesus' name shall come to pass. Therefore, I declare in the precious name of Jesus by the covenant I have with Him through His blood that Father's will is this. You stand effectively, effectively doing something. Now, what does fervent mean? Hmm? Fervent. Anybody here ever have a fever? Right? I've had a fever. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm channeling Johnny Cash. Fever hotter than a pepper sprout. I think I just, uh, I don't know. We got beard in a fever hotter than a pepper sprout. Right? You ever eat a pepper sprout? Baby, that'll make you sweat. A fever. Fervent prayer. Hot prayer. Effective and on fire prayer. What's it going to do? It tells you right there. <laughs> It'll avail much. It will avail much. It will avail much. Now the word effectual fervent is actually two English words for one Greek word. There's one Greek word there that the uh, writer is trying to, uh, it spoke of, and that word is energeo. What does energeo sound like to you? Energy. So... The energized prayer of a righteous man. But the King James folks, they couldn't figure out how do you translate energeo. So they used two words. Effective, it's powerful. So energeo means a forceful working power that has energy and heat with it. All right, so that's where you get effectual and fervent. The effectual, fervent prayer, meaning a working power or passion. When you add that to your faith, it will what? 
avail much. Now, prayers avail. The prayers of a righteous person will, will avail, but he adds adjectives to it to take it to another level because we have the righteousness of God and as you're walking with the Lord, you're not in a backslidden state, you're not in sin, you're walking in the rightness of your calling and as you're walking in that rightness, your prayers can avail, can accomplish. But he goes another step, takes it to another level, and he says, but you righteous person, if you would pray with effectiveness and fire or passion, energy in God's spirit, it will not just avail, it will avail much. There's a difference. Again, to, to the quality of your faith in the sense we can have weak faith or we can have strong faith. And this is the day and age when the church needs what? Strong faith. Energeo faith. Effective and fervent prayer. That's what we need. Now, let me take you to another verse. 2 Timothy 1.6. Do you remember this? Paul said to Timothy, Stir up the gifts within you that were given unto you by the laying on of hands. So that's an interesting verse. The King James says, stir up. Now in this situation, uh, in the last one, effectual, fervent, I, I liked that. I thought King James was good. Uh, but in this one, the King James, uh, stir up the gifts within you. I like the modern translations better because they're more accurate to the actual word, which means fan into flame. Anazopuro means, well, I put that there. Get stoked. What does it mean to fan into flame? Have, have you ever, this is campfire season, this is where you sit outside and you have a little fire and everything, and you ever have where the embers are, are, are just, you know, kind of dying out and the log, the fire in the log, you ever see this where it just goes, the light goes, flip, every now and then it'll flicker again. So what do you do? You get a poker, don't you? A stick. Don't play poker, you get a stick. And you, what do you do? You put those embers that are glowing, you put them together and you pile them up again and what happens all of a sudden? Poof! Fire. Or you can take a, a piece of cardboard or a Frisbee and you begin to do this on the flame and, and, and what happens? You fan the flame. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy and in essence what the Spirit is saying to us. Fan the flame. And within that Greek word is the sense to white-hot heat. Now, uh, uh, when I was in, in sculpting uh, school, uh, we would learn to make our own chisels and our own tools. And when we would temper a tool, we would hammer it out, you put it in the fire, and you bring it out. But you would always have, you had to learn flames. Okay? Uh, the different colors in a flame have different heat temperature. All right. How many of you ever see a blue, right? Goes from clear to blue to yellow uh, to red to yellow. My picture kind of has it there, right? Now those are different temperatures. And so when you would make a tool and you wanted to temper it, you would stick it in the hottest part of the flame till it turned those colors. And then as soon as you got it as hot as you could, you'd douse it and that would lock in those molecules at its tempered uh, state to be as hard as metal could be. All right, he's saying fan into flame, stir up to white hot heat. In other words, as hot as you can go. 
So he said, Timothy, you got the gifts of the Spirit. They were laid on by the grace of God, transferred, imparted unto you by the laying on of hands. Now you have that gift. Glad you operate in it. Glad you use it. I want you to stoke it. I want you to stir it up. I want you to fan it into white hot flame. I want you to go further. I want you to energize it effectively. You with me? That we, you and I, uh, this is so cool. I don't know each unique gifting here. There's so many unique gifts among us. And God wants you to move into another level. But you're going to have to fan it. Now, here's the key to faith. It's our responsibility. This is our responsibility. He didn't say, Timothy, pray that the Holy Spirit will stir up the gifts within you. Did he? What did he say? Timothy, you stir up the gifts. You are a steward of the Holy Spirit living within you. It is our responsibility to stir up by our faith. Remember, all gifts are activated by what? Faith. All gifts are activated by faith. Say it with me. All gifts are activated by faith. How many of you have ever been in a place where it's like, Lord, use me. I, I, I want this gift. Or you're seeking for a gift and you're waiting for Him. Bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. I need a gift. And what the Bible's saying is you call it out. You call it forth. Stir it up. A lot of times, I'll tell you what, as a matter of fact, there's a number of you here that have gifts you've not activated yet. Right? How many of you have, have ever bought a new cell phone? I know you all have because they only last about a year until you have to upgrade, right? right? You've got to get a new phone. 4G, 3G, 2G, 7G, 8G, 5S. Now, you get a phone, and they hand it to you over the counter. Oh, this is nice, nice. It doesn't turn on. No, we have to do what? Activate it. So how do you activate it? Well, we have to connect it to the tower. Hold on a second. And so they do that, and then they connect it to the tower. You have gifts that are within you by the Holy Spirit. You need to activate them. And so some of you can prophesy here, but you never have. Because by faith, you thought, I can't. Some of you have the gift of discernment. You've been using it all your life. You, you, you've been creeped out by certain people. <laughs> or you have a sense of other people. Or you sense the spirit. You're watching something. You go, oh man, this is too, mm-mm, don't want, no, that's not, that's not right. There's a spirit of discernment, but you've not been activating it, using it. You've been thinking it's just a sense of something. Begin to ignite and activate these things. Many of us uh, uh, speaking in tongues. I, I remember uh, when I first came to the place of, of desiring to speak in tongues because I was going with a Pentecostal girl at the time. She was my girlfriend. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. And, and I'll never forget the day she told me she spoke in tongues. And I went, oh, I'm with a girl who's in a cult. I really liked her too. So I didn't know what this was. Actually, we were in Florida on our senior class trip. Right? And uh, speaking of spiritual things back then. And I remember that night, and I said, Oh God, if this is real, please, Lord Jesus, I guess I want to do that too. I don't know. I like this girl a lot. Uh, and, and I remember that morning just, just speaking out a little bit in tongues, and I thought, Nah, I don't think that's it. And then I remember wrestling for the next two and a half years to speak in tongues. 
Oh, God, what else do you want me to do? I remember driving in my car, hitting my steering wheel. I want to spend your time. What do you want me to do? I've done everything. Anybody ever been there, right? Why can't I speak in tongues? Everybody else. And then you'd go to the altar at the church we went to, and you went out to the altar to speak in tongues. They'd grab you and get a hand, and you'd be like, oh, 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 oh. nothing's happening. Oh, 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 oh. Other people, they'd come up there and they'd go, boom, they'd go, oh, blah, 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 blah. And say, oh. I'd walk out of there like that. And I remember praying, and I said, you know what, Lord? I don't care anymore about tongues. I just love you. I just want to draw close to you. I want to be on fire for you, God. And I began praising him. Woo! I began speaking in tongues. Then it hit me. I did that two years ago. It's a lot easier than I thought. It's because I didn't understand it as faith to activate as faith. I was expecting something to come down from heaven and move my lips. Seriously, I thought maybe an angel would show up in the room or something like I couldn't control my mouth and it would go. It's faith. It's faith. By faith, you begin to exercise these things. How many of you know if you have the gift of healing unless you've laid hands on the sick and prayed for them? Well, I can't do that till I have the gift of healing. How will you know? Well, I'll get an email or a text from God. I'll, I'll get a shiver or something. I don't know. He'll tell me. And that goes along with the thinking of, well, if God really wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. He did. It's in the package of salvation. Open it up. It's in there. It's already there. So it's all activated by faith. And so Paul says, stir it up. Stir it up. Fan it. Fan it. Bring it into flame. It will be effective and it will be powerful. And that's why we come to this last verse. Uh, well, the next portion is the same sense of activating is this. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and he will answer, right? Ask, seek, and knock. Now let me ask you. On whom is the impetus? Us. He said, I want you to ask me. Now, he did that a lot. When he was praying for, he came to a blind man, right? And when he came to a blind man, now, now this is obvious, right? That he comes to the blind man and he says, what do you want? That's a bit silly to ask, don't you think? The man's going, well, <laughs> Jesus. I thought he's the son of God. Wouldn't this be rather obvious? What's the man not want? He wants to be, but he needs you. He needs you to ask. You need to get involved. This salvation has to be completely involved on our behalf. He's given us all we need. We now have to activate it. He's training you. He's teaching you. You want to go to the next level of glory? You want to go to the next level of being used by God? You have to activate by faith by passion, those desires. Ask me. Seek me. Knock, and it will be given. And that reminds me of another story. Now, this is Jesus' teaching, not mine. His teaching is this, shameless persistence in Luke 18, 1 through 8. You remember the woman with the judge. Jesus is teaching on prayer. 
And as he's teaching on prayer, he tells a story of a widow who was uh, mistreated and she wants justice and she goes to the judge and the judge keeps saying, buzz off, lady. Man, I don't want to talk to you. I've got more important cases. They cheated me out of some money. Good, deal with it. Get a relative, someone else to deal with you. A widow was alone. She had no clout. She had no ability to speak into the public square or even to get justice. There was no one to defend for her. So the judge could easily sweep her aside and no one would come back against him. But this widow, maybe you know someone like this, she was shameless persistence. Shameless persistence. She went back. Now the word for shameless persistence is importunity importunity she was relentless she went back so she followed this guy he'd get off the bench go out the door and guess who's at the back door uh, close the door he'd go to another exit <laughs> he'd answer his hebrew telephone he'd say hello and she's on the party line right she'd text him she'd email him i'm making this up it was back then you get the point wherever she went finally the guy was so tired of the shameless persistence. says, lady, what do you want? She told him, he said, fine. And he uh, arbitrated on her behalf and she got what she needed. Now that's Jesus' teaching on prayer and he ends it like this. Those who being sinful are, are, uh, as, and, and those of a judge do, would do this. How much more would your father willingly listen and give to you the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit? That's a teaching on prayer. I've heard prayer taught like this. You just pray once, and if you ask again, it's a lack of faith. That just means I'm lost in confusion. I don't know what you're doing, God. Uh, Colossians says in Colossians 4.2, to pray and be watchful therein. Be persistent. Change your prayer. Change the way it's effective. Uh, uh, get the mind of Christ as you're praying one way and not seeing something. You can pray and begin to see the changes and, and fortify your prayer around it. But, but be stoked. Get on fire for it and be persistent. Some of you have given up. You've given up. And this is a matter of life and death for your faith for some of you. You've said, I've tried, I've tried, and I'm done. And so today I'm just trying to get you stirred up and excited once again. Get pumped for God once again. I'll give you this last verse now. Eagerly desire. Eagerly desire. Now, um, that's uh, the modern translation to eagerly desire. And this particular one, I like the King James. The King James says, earnestly covet. Wait a minute, I, I thought coveting was like, thou shalt not covet. Well, that's not, that's not the end of it. Coveting has good connotations and bad connotations. Do you know what covet means? Lust. To lust. Okay? So is all lust bad? No. The zeal that Christ had for the house of God, he, it, it was a lust. It was a, a desire, uh, a zeal. The, uh, uh, there is a coveting of the things of God. You don't want them marred by sin. You don't want anybody trampling on them. You covet the glory of God that it would be seen in your life and for all time. We as believers covet God's righteousness and His glory. So, so it's not thou shalt not covet. The command is thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. 
okay? You get that, right? Leave her out of this. And covet the things of God. But he says earnestly. We don't use that word much anymore. What does it mean to earnestly, eagerly? I've got to have this thing. That's what it means. I've got to, got to have this thing. Earnestly covet this thing. Now what is amazing is earnestly covet, again, is two English words for one Greek word. See, they, sometimes our English language can't come up with the same sense of what the, the original language is. So they say, earnestly covet, gotta have this thing. Because the Greek word zelos, zeal, zelos, means like boiling water. You gotta boil for this thing. You gotta not just simmer. You're not just a lukewarm cup of water. You gotta get red hot for these things. Earnestly covet what? The greater gifts. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, to earnestly covet the gifts of God, but I show you a more excellent way. And he talks about the spirit behind it, love. And then he goes right back to it in 1 Corinthians 14 and says, so earnestly covet with love the gifts of God. Later on he says, earnestly covet prophecy. So what does that mean? You should be boiling Red hot, bubbling over. I want to prophesy. I'm not going to sit still till I can lay hands on the sick and heal them. Where's the church? What would happen if we said eagerly, bubbling up, boiling over, red hot? And again, this doesn't change. You don't have to do what I just did. Uh, you know, extrovert, introvert, you can burn red hot being quill, silent and still, but having the things of God that you're going to minister to people and so forth. So the point is being red hot. What if the church in total, hey, uh, skip everybody else universally. How about this church? What if this church said, according to Mark 16, I'm not going to stop till I lay hands on the sick, they recover. I cast out demons, I speak with new tongues, and no deadly thing shall harm me. What would happen if we boiled, we burned for that? I have to have it. I covet these things. Instead of, well, if he wants me to have it, I guess I'll have it. I guess I could ask the question, does he want you to have it? But how am I supposed to know what's for me? Earnestly covet. Be zealous, burn for it. Be impetuous like this lady. Be, be where, where she's just, again, shamelessly persisting for God. There's a story about Louis Armstrong. How many of you ever heard Louis Armstrong sing? How many of you think he's got a great voice? Well, I don't know about great, but it's distinct. Its distinctness makes it awesome, doesn't it? You love to hear him. Well, when he was a young boy, he tried out for the community music program. And when he went into the community music program, they said, okay, follow these, fa, sol, la, ti, do, right? And so he's like, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> and they're going like, Clear your throat, young man. <laughs> Let's try that again. Fa, so, la, ti, do. He goes, no. They said, I'm sorry, son. You can't be a part of this music program. We can't enter you at all. You're going to have to leave. And that's what he said. I know there's music in me. There's music in me. And they can't keep it from coming out. That's what I'm talking about. 
I know that there are gifts in me by God and you can't keep it from coming out. There are greater gifts yet in you, greater things in you, greater things you shall do, said Jesus. They're in us. Our faith has to be red hot, activated, stirred up, earnestly seeking, earnestly coveting. That's what God wants from his people. Again, introvert, extrovert, it doesn't matter. The conclusion is to have fervent prayers, heated energy, stir up the gifts to red-hot heat, earnestly covet till it's bubbling over, boiling over. This is a church on fire. This is a church passionate for the Word of God and the Spirit of God in their lives. How many of you are wanting to be fanned into that kind of a flame? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Father God, I pray.